One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Lives. This week on the podcast, we're speaking with Kese Lehman, author of Heavy. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, on the podcast specifically, besides, besides the fact that I'm like an insanely big fan of the book, mm-hmm. um, is because one of the things that we try to do on the platform for ourselves as well um, is just literally to expose every part of ourselves, good, bad, ugly. Like I talk about some of the most embarrassing shit that I've done on the podcast. I've talked <laughs> about my parents and them passing yeah. and you know uh, my relationship with them before that. Like I tried to just um, be completely... Yeah. Uh, I hate to talk in cliches as well, but like authentic, you know, I try to be as authentic, as honest and vulnerable as I, as I possibly can. And so one of the reasons that, you know, beyond kind of some of the stories within the book or some of your stories within the book, really like resonating with me personally, the whole thing was just resonated with me and really it's one of my favorite books that I've read in the past couple of years, literally because it feels so honest. And it feels unknowingly difficult as well. Like, I don't feel like it was a simple thing for you to go through or for you to write. And so for me, having huge imposter syndrome around my own writing, academic and otherwise, which I'm sure all of us do. um, And somebody who tries to be honest on every platform that I'm on or any anything that I do. I just kind of wanted to talk about, well, I want to talk about many things, but that's one of the first things I wanted to talk about was literally like, what was it like deciding to write this book? Because I think across the diaspora, regardless of whether you're talking about the Caribbean or America or the UK, there is this like notion of not airing your dirty laundry. And one of the things that I think about when I'm writing is not wanting to embarrass my parents. Right. They're That's not it. even here. Like I have wow. free reign and you still feel that way? You still feel like you can embarrass them even if yeah. they're like on yeah. this plane. Wow. Hundred percent because wow. they're friends. You know, my godmother listens to the podcast and that was one of our yeah. closest friends. And just the idea, I mean, my entire life I've lived under the gaze of my parents. And in a strange way, as liberating as uh, this sounds like a horrible thing to say, and I'm probably phrasing it poorly, but them passing there was a perceived sense of liberation because I didn't have to worry about what, how my decisions made them feel. Mm, yeah? mm-hmm. But in truth, 
so much of them is still with me in my day-to-day -day. you know you think about your parents every day you're my I'm still close with their friends my godparents etc that right. much of their gaze still exists and your mom and your family members your grandmother is still alive right. so yes and I know you've talked elsewhere about about how that's been a process for you but even when you are starting to talk about or yeah. think about writing a book I'm sure that was something that popped up for you too right that's that's it and and you know what I never thought about it like this until just now when listening to you but you know I think when you really love people or when you really like when you rigorously love people or when you rigorously accept love there's gonna be embarrassment in there you know what I mean I think about the times when I've loved like the most I think like fairly and ethically and like generously for people watching that shit would have been embarrassing you know what I mean and and so I think with that book I, I just needed to make sure that I was attempting to love my mother and not attempting to embarrass her out of resentment. And I think that line is real thin, especially if you grow up with parents who were, you know, for different reasons, like, you know, might have abused you in so many different ways. I just had to make sure that I wasn't trying to get back at her. Do you know what I mean? And when I first started that yeah. book, Real Talk, there was a little bit of that. Like, um, yeah, there's a little bit of that. And then I had to work through it and work through it, work through it, through it. And then uh, at the end of the day, um, I, I, I was I was sure that I was attempting to love my mama in that book and love myself. Now, she didn't see it that way. Right. But I but I and I'm not sure many things, but I, I'm sure that I, I was attempting to love my mama because we stopped loving each other. And I was really attempting to, to say to her mama, like, you ain't going to ever admit you don't love me no more. But that's how it feels. Mm -hmm. And I really would like it if we would like try again. That's how that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. And what is the fine line? Like what what for you is the difference? Because I definitely mm -hmm. believe in like, you know, my entire career professionally and just even in terms of my me trying to reconcile stuff with my dad specifically was love through accountability. Like yes. holding people accountable in a way that wanted them to be better. Right, right. Um, that's it. I mean, but that's I'm hard sorry. to do. I don't know. <laughs> it's really hard. And the thing is, you know, with most hard things, humans, we think we've done it if we've done it once. Do you know what I mean? Like, we we don't, I think a lot of us think like, oh, this person was mean to me. Let me go and act like I love them or love them today. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? And so there's a little of that with my mama, like, uh, man, I don't know why this feels so hard. But yeah, like there, there was a little bit, a bit, a little bit of that with my mama because I mean, she's just very much alive. And 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 when I after I wrote it, like everybody kept saying, Oh, your mom's dead, she's gone. I was like, No, nah, my mama not dead. She she's here. And they were like, What? I was like, Yeah, my mama right. You mean to call her? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, and they're like, you wrote that shit and your mama's alive. I was like, Yeah, motherfucker, like that was that was that was the thing. Like, could I write this book while she was alive? And you know, the other thing is though, like, you kind of have to allow your parents' lineage to play out. And we are our parents' lineage, you know what I'm saying? And my mama's lineage, among all the wonderful things she's done in my state, my region for Black people and Black politics, part of her lineage is that she created a young, she created a Black writer. And I just had to step into her lineage and accept my lineage. And, 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 and I mean, that just sounds all whatever, but it's true. And, uh, but it's hard. It's hard. I don't know. I always say to myself, thank goodness that book did well, because... If I put that shit out there and we didn't reap no sort of benefit from it, like other than like, <laughs> you know, emotional and psychological and spiritual, 
man, she would have been so mad. But it really does help because, you know, a lot of us come from, you know, intergener- you know, cycles of intergenerational poverty. And so the fact that I could use that art to like, you know, pay for her mother's house or pay right. for her to get whatever, like, I'm not trying to reduce it to capitalism at all, but I'm just saying it helped. As her son, it helped. Well, does does the fact that it did well give any sense of validation to the fact that what you were saying is is at least an honest representation of what you experienced? Like, yeah. I, does that give it a sense of validation? I, don't I know. mean, when, when particular people, like if my mother was listening to this now, I just, you know, you know, we know our parents, like Mm -hmm. she would love that you felt something in that book. But my mom is a black woman from central Mississippi. Like she doesn't trust white people. And so like when white people started to like it, initially she was like, I remember, I remember when she, yeah, like she was not feeling that because she doesn't want white women and white, white women specifically Mm -hmm. like poking all up in, having access to parts of her. And, you know, I don't, I don't say my mama's name in that book. Uh, Me and my mama have different last names. But it's the internet. Like, you can find that shit yeah. if you really want to. Um, and so that's the part that I'm still not sure about. Like, I think I did the right thing right in that book, but because of where my mama comes from, she just wasn't ready to deal with all these white women ju- who, are, who often are also, you know, struggling with parenting, judging her. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, and that's, that's, as long as that book is in the world, white women are going to judge her and say fucked up shit about her. And that's, that's something I got to eat, you know? Um, but lots of people who aren't white women are also going to like adore her, see strength in her, see the care, yeah. care, uh, the, the paradox and, 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 and find some utility in that art, you know, and, and some white people are too. I'm not trying to make all white people be the same, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it's definitely at, for me, again, it's not necessarily, uh, white woman thing but it's just a class Paris thing of yes. my, my mom's you know my mom here again similar to what you're saying my mom was a lawyer she was a very established lawyer she was a judge mm-hmm. and had her own like conflicting history as well you know right right and my right. brother it practices law within the same constituency that because they moved to the Islands wow. years later so he, he sits amongst her amongst her peers as well you know wow. and so I'm consistently thinking of that whenever I'm talking on a podcast or doing yeah. a TV engagement or anything like that because people will call and be like oh you know I saw you on XYZ the other day and or you know I listened to my godmother called me the other day and she was listening to an episode where I'm talking about polygamy and and the wonders of polygamy even though I'm not a polygamist myself so it opens you up to this sense of critique but not just I think my mom in particular loved her children so much like into oblivion that Mm. it wasn't just her concern for her own I don't think it would have been her concern just for herself but also for her kids you know and I don't know how much of I, I you can't speak for you mom but I don't know it seems throughout the book that as much as she was worrying about the gaze of white women or white people in general, she was also wondering what it would do to you. That's a great pivot. Cause that's, that's actually what she cared about the most. And, and I think her rightful distrust in, in my state of, you know, just, just people who happen to be white folks, like she just always, even from, a, even as a kid, she just, she just really worried about what those people would do to her child. And because she knew, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like you worry because you know. And she knew at some at some point they were going to do some 
do some things to me that she wasn't going to be able to undo. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, she's like, I can beat him away from it. You know what I'm saying? Like if I beat him enough, he'll, he'll, he'll learn how to like, you know, navigate the teachers and the police and all of this shit. And, um, you just can't beat your child out of that. You know what I mean? You can't beat your child out of, out of life. Right. Like, yeah. like, it, I mean, maybe you can, but it, it didn't work for me. You know, because I, I realized early on, I'm like, I didn't do nothing wrong. My teachers failed, but my, I'm like a young a little boy. My mom was like, yeah, but they're going to fail. And your job is to fucking like evade them. But I'm like, I'm fucking like 10. Like, what you want me to do? And she yeah. was like, e, you, you no, they're going to get you. And so when they get you, I'm going to get you. That was, that's my, I mean, that's Mississippi. Yeah. That's Black folks Mississippi for a living. You know, that's, that's, that's not special to me. That's just how it is. And, um. But yeah, you're right. It was about loving her child and not wanting her child to be devoured, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so interesting because I think, um, obviously, mom features a lot in the book. She's central to your life. So is your grandmother. Um, right. But you treat them quite differently in the book. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Even though they are a continuation of the same lineage and the same behaviors, yeah. right? And yeah, and I, and I go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that that go ahead. Whatever you're, go ahead. I was just gonna ask, you know, why? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I think there's a lot of. I mean, I mean, I think the fake answer is because they treated me differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think I mean I think this is I mean I think the the sort of dishonest answer is by the time I come along, my grandmother has raised my mama, my aunt, both my aunties, my uncle. So she's been versed. You know, my, my, my grandmama had her first child when she was like 15. So she's she's been versed in parenting. And and you never stop. I mean, what I learned from my grandmama is you never stop parenting. Like, so she was parenting my mother when I was born. And she was parent, and then she started to parent me. Um, and so I'm a little, I'm a lot different in the way I write my grandmother because my grandmother was a lot different in the way she raised me. And my grandmama has backstory that I couldn't put in heavy. Like that's the other thing. Like right. I wrote, like I wrote, I wrote a version of my grandmama's backstory, and I can't get that shit through legal because she's done some things that <laughs> you know. I it's yeah. that's you know what I mean. Like that's a that that woman is a is another. She's she's something else. Like in the best way possible, but also like when you cross her, she is going to attempt to kill you like yeah there's no there's no is she did she yeah, yep she's gonna try <laughs> to get you, you know and so that's my granny you know and my mama you know I mean she was so young I'm talking about you know us when we, we met like 2002 or three or something like yeah. my mama was like night like when I met you imagine if you would have had a little one-year-old with yeah. you on campus yeah you know what I'm saying like and then by the time you graduate Imagine if you had a little two-year-old on camp, you know, you bringing this little joker to class. So we were just very close. Um, and my and my mama wasn't all, so the hardest part of writing heavy was like, it's a direct address to you, but you know, the scenes that don't involve my mom. So, I, but I also have to talk about like when I'm, you know, I'm ta- when I'm in college, I'm talking about like the romantic scenes with my, with my partner. It's mm-hmm. like, how do I, how do I tell that to, to my mama when I spent exactly. my entire life trying to not tell my mama that about, you know, so it's just, it's stuff like that. And I would never talk to my granny about sex uh, of any kind, you know, <laughs> even though, you know, yeah, like, even though, like, you know, you first experience sex a lot of times where I'm from in the rural parts of your community, you know, so 
I'm babbling right now, but yeah, like I, I, I mostly wrote them differently because I saw them differently and the parts of my grandmama that would have revealed more about her, mm-hmm. we had to take out of the book. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for, I, I think the part of beyond like the insane level of vulnerability that is, you know, consistent throughout the book where I can't even imagine how exhausting that process is. Right as just as a human being to do that and he tried to do it feels like he tried to do that on a daily basis like one of the things one of the things that that struck me is um kind of your for me growing up with a mother who like I loved and adored and was obsessed Mm -hmm. with almost you know like uh, and almost being blinded to so many of the things that so many of the issues that she had whether it was her temper or not taking care of her health or she had a gambling thing as well Uh, yeah yeah not in a way that was uh debilitating to her Uh finance but certainly like whenever we went on holiday she would spend all day at the slot machines wow yeah so I grew up watching her at the slot machines as well and being somewhat interested in it, but understanding mm-hmm. as I got older that I have such an addictive personality, that is something that I just didn't even want to become. Wow. I mean, I, I picked up others, other of her addictions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and others that she didn't have that I've, I still struggle with today, but so my mom got sick kind of early old, right as I started at Vasa actually. Mm. um and you know our relationship I would say deteriorated as she got sicker Mm. and my relationship with my dad incidentally got better oh um which is interesting and there was a lot of resentment on either side and picking sides and whatever 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 but I guess for me I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know if it creates a sense of freedom or a sense of limitation because I'm not able to speak to her but unpacking or reconciling all of the things that happened during the demise of our relationship um, after she's gone you get to do that within the context of this book while she's still alive and I don't know if that's like more difficult because you have to face the person that you're now talking about or if it's an opportunity to to fix what you want to fix you know right yeah i do i do i i mean i i don't know but i feel like the degree of difficulty gets higher if you're writing about a parent who not only is alive but who is very like in your business you know like mm-hmm. key what you writing what you working on are you talking about the family don't talk about the family key what you writing are you telling me the truth you know like so like when i'm writing this book i'm talking to her about different things but she's also the whole time she's she's kind of pretty much trying to be like don't write this <laughs> like don't do don't do what i think you're doing and so i'm like i'm not doing that i just want to ask you this question though and she's like why are you asking me so many questions i'm not going to tell you the truth but i'm like okay well don't tell me the truth if you don't want to. And then she was like, are you going to put it in the book? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put it in the book. And then she was like, all right, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to lie. Okay, we'll lie. I'm like, that's the point. Like, I mean, like, keep going, keep lying. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's also like when you get into, you know, when you get older, I don't know. Like, I just, I just didn't want to, I didn't want either of us to die having not attempted 
to get better at love. And and it would have been easy to not write heavy, but it would have been real hard on my soul because mm. I know I needed to write that book. You know what I'm saying? For my for my well-being in this earth so I can be accountable and you know, live the shit that I say I believe. Like I believe in trans, you know, I believe in, in like repair. Like I believe in, in in like renewal. But like if you don't use the shit you've been given to further that, like how much do you actually believe in it? So I was lucky in that people received it because uh I had to write it if for my insides. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For my for my for my for my insides. We I just had to write that book, but um I think my mom is getting getting better with it. I think she's get moving, getting better and thinking. I mean, I'm better. When I say better, I'm, I'm just saying I think she's accepting more that right. it's just out in the world. And, um, you know, what's interesting is Issa Rae bought the book and and they're making it into a film. And, right, you know, my, my whole, yeah, my whole thing was like, mama, like, let's do this together. Like, all right, like if there's going to be a cinematic representation of it, I, I'm, I'm, I invited her to come on as a producer. Yeah. She wouldn't do, you know, she's like, nope. She's like, I'm not fucking with that shit. Like, you you do whatever you want to do. And I'm like, but then if it come out and you represent it wrong, you're going to have everything to say. Hmm. And then she was like, well, don't represent me wrong. And I'm <laughs> like, well, how about you come on here and, like, help me not represent you wrong? She's like, nope, not doing it. So I'm just saying, so for me, that, that to me, speaks to, like, resentful residue, you know? Right. If I'm yeah. asking her to come on, paid position, to dig, to help, you know, not not police, but give shape to a character that is going to be seen as her. Yeah. And my mom was like, nah, I ain't doing that shit. Nope, not doing it. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It's it's funny because when you I think one of the things that's so great about Heavy is that you are still working through it, right? Your mom's still oh, working yes, through indeed. it, you're still working through it. And it is, you know, so many times when people write memoirs or write books about themselves, autobiographies or anything that's rooted in any sort of truth it's written from this like this is what happened mm. to me and this is how you get past this or this is how i i worked it out and you haven't worked i, I don't want to say no. like you haven't i don't right. say it, but it seems that you're still working through it and it it is this eternal process of transformation absolutely and i don't even know how you like the, with the work that that i that i think we're both interested in i don't know how you get to a point where you're like that work is done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if 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 you're if you're working on on issues of transformative justice or repair, be they you know macro, micro, interpersonal, I don't I don't get how you can be like, oh, I, I you know, I'm I'm over that. You know, like I don't I don't understand that shit. And I didn't want to write, but you know, the publisher was encouraging me to write that book, right? Like, I've gotten through this now. You need to look and be just like me. I'm like, <laughs> nah, you can be like me if you want to, but that is not what I think you should do. Um, and it was important, you know what I mean? That's why, but when I sold that book, I was trying to sell a, that that bullshit ass dream, you know? Like I was trying to lose a ton of weight to get back to like, to even get lower than I was like when y'all were in school, when we were in school, when y'all were in school. And the whole point was like, I was gonna show everybody that like you can get healthy by talking about these hard things with your parents and your grandparents. But that was a bullshit ass book, you know what I mean? Like you can fucking lose weight if you starve. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't eat and you fucking work out, you're gonna lose weight. Yeah. But to me, it wasn't about. To me, that that just seemed like 
the easy, like if I would have only written about the weight, it, I would not have written about like the emotional contours of that other shit. And that, that other shit is really what drives the book. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 For me, the, the weight is just, uh, a manifestation of everything else yeah. that was going on for sure yeah yeah um one of the things that you talk about working through from when you're really young and it, it it kind of boggles my mind that you had this level of awareness of how black women are treated um from a very early age i i presume that's directly related to the fact that you were growing up a, a, around other women or around women and and um and and saw what black women were going through around you um but i guess you know even for somebody who is so aware of 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 the issues that black women experience and you obviously read quite a lot about it and yeah even for me as a black woman you know i try to read as much as i possibly can and sometimes mm. I, I wonder how much like i'm intellectualizing my way through it which is the purpose, you know, when I think yeah. about, especially the work that I do for myself and for other women who are victim survivors, it's like so much of me trying to reconcile my own story is through the work that I chose to do. I talk about this on yeah. the podcast all the time, becoming involved in advocacy and activism is as a result of me trying to reconcile my own story. Right, right. But I don't know how helpful that is sometimes. How how much do you and do you feel like that's what you were doing when you were old, when you got to us at kind of high school, college age? Because you were talking about you yeah. did you listened, you you read bell hooks, you, right. you know, you acknowledged and were aware of all these things, but you still managed to be steeped in the same behavior that you were reading yeah. about. That's a great, I'm so glad you yeah. You know, I think I think it makes sense that given the way like this world edu like educates and like intentionally like miseducates all young people like once you get the language of like feminism like you know it it, it feels like you're breathing different right like you're like oh like that's what that shit was all that time I, I see students you know like as a teacher you see when students get the and they're like oh fuck but the thing is education never really taught us how to be educated Education teaches us that like, if you learn facts, everything you just said, you learn facts, you learn vocabulary, you learn historic dates, like you've done the work. Yeah. But we know in most instances, that's not true. And especially when you're talking about something like, you know, the ways that black women particularly have, what, what black women particularly have done in this, in the diaspora, but like also have, have black women have been treated. It's, it's easy, I think, in my experience, like if you say the word patriarchy for people to put their guard, for women to put their guard, women uh, to put their guard down and just be like, oh, he knows the word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, oh, he read Bell Hooks. You know, like you, you ain't even asking. I mean, nobody had, nobody's like, did you misread Bell Hooks? Nobody's like, yeah. what the fuck? What's your investment in patriarchy? People are like, but the stakes are so fucking, you know, like the, the, the bar so low. I do yeah. this to people too, you know? I'm like, oh, they know that shit? Like they must, you know? And I, and I just think if you don't watch it, you can become a more potent abuser by steeping yourself in the language of, radical language of um, transformation, be, yeah. it, be, it, be it what people call womanism or feminism, be it what, you know, if you're talking about all kinds of shit, race shit. Um, and I think, I think that's everybody actually, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I mean, 
I, I will only say this from talking to you, like the, the, the thing that's hard is that in my experience, you know, I work with a lot of the most incredible feminists on earth. And, and what we're not honest about is that like, sometimes the most incredible feminists on earth don't like black women. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, sometimes, yeah. The, sometimes the most incredible black feminists on earth don't really fuck with black women. And how do you talk about that? I'm not gonna talk about that on some fucking interview with some white person who's just gonna use that shit. But so where do you talk about it? Yeah. Um, and I think without talking about it, we just get to these things where like, it's just a contest of who knows the most words. Yeah. But that's a whack ass contest, fam. Like, and we all gonna lose. Yeah. Huh? It doesn't, it doesn't achieve any sort of change whatsoever. Yeah. And when you fail, like, this is the thing, like the best of the, of that, of that shit, like when you fail people, when you harm people, first of all, if they say, stop harming me and you continue to harm them, that is abuse. We don't need to talk about what is that? What is that? That's abuse. Uh-huh. Motherfucker. Like somebody says, stop. And you were like, nah, that's abuse. Now, once you realize or accept that you've abused, what we need to talk about is like, what do you do next? Like what, how do you repair yeah. that kind of shit in yourself that made you do it, but also in that fucking person who asked you to stop. And I'm saying that conversation should have come along with all these other conversations about patri- patriarchy, queer antagonism, as you said, like the wonders of polygamy, all of that shit. Like we also needed to talk about the fact that like, we're all going to be harming people. We're all going to be harmed. What, what do we do with that? But teachers ain't ready to fucking have that conversation. That's the real talk about it. Yeah. We ain't ready to talk to our students about that shit because we because we we gonna we gonna be exposed, you know. And it's funny because I think for me going back through this time warp, as I said, back uh, coming back to Jamaica, where if you say the word sexist, people put their guard up and they stop listening, right? Wow. Like there's no, you know people, men will sit with you in a room and women will sit with you in a room and tell you that sexism doesn't exist, even though we still have a gender pay gap or, you know, that we don't have an issue with women's rights, even though abortion is still illegal. So I think what it's done, which actually is a really good thing, is it stopped me from using that kind of like convoluted intellectual language, really breaking it down to like humanity. And which annoys me sometimes because there are nuances of gender that I want to explore with people, but it's a stepping stone, but no, it's actually pushing me to, to when people do get to the point of saying, okay, I see where you're coming from. What do Mm -hmm. I tell them to do next? And I can't tell them to go and read bell hooks. You know what I mean? (laughs) So what, what do you do? Like, how do you, for someone who has done the reading and has tries to, to invest in that kind of reflection every single day and has the balance of both worlds of, yeah, having the intellectual knowledge, but also trying to do the work in real time. How do you go about the process of reflecting in your everyday interactions with black women? Or just women in general, but more specifically black women. Um, I mean, what what I what I what I try to do is is okay, what I want to do sometimes is just be like, here's what I here's the template. Regardless of the relationship, I need to apply the same template. Yeah, I think that's lazy work though. Do you know? I think the harder work is to talk to people often who you know or you assume you might have harmed and and if if on their terms when they're ready to talk to you like you know but one of the questions has to be how if at all do we begin to repair this 
And the most important thing for me in my life right now is like, I need to understand that like, that is a like, like repair is a lifelong endeavor. It's not like somebody can be like, oh, how do you repair it? Shit, you can send me a box of heavies and that'll help. I'll play, okay, so let me send you a box of these free books and be done with it. It ain't, it ain't like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta, and so what I've tried to do in my life and, 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 and I'll talk about the flip side of this in a second is like, if there are people who I know I've harmed and or who I think I've harmed or people who've said I've harmed them, I have to listen, I have to hear, and then I have to have that other hard, awkward ass conversation about like, well, you know, can we, can we repair? Like, is there anything to be renewed? Like, you have no reason in the world to trust me given what I have done. And, and so from a distance, like, is there anything I can do? And that person might be like, yeah, leave me the fuck alone. But that's a thing. If somebody's like, leave me the fuck alone, like, you can't be like, but no, I'm asking you what I can do. They told you, motherfucker, leave them alone. Yeah. Um, and so, and I do wish sometimes people, like, the thing is, like, I've never seen that reciprocated, not, not from the, not from people that I've harmed, but like anybody, nobody's ever asked me, KSA, you know, you did, you know, we did such and such to you, and I'm sorry, and I want to know how, what, if there's anything we can do to repair that. That's, that's a question that feels radical to me, because I've never heard it, like, um, but I, but I can't say I've tried to, I, I, I have been in the processes of trying to do that with other people in my life. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it quote unquote works or not, but I know it's, I know that like the process of trying to repair and restore is something that we have to be committed to, but we can't be like capitalism be like, oh, once we do it, it's done. It's yeah. like a lifelong shit, you know? Um, that's what I feel. That's what I, and, 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 and so my, my, my point is like, it's a differently shaped for different people. Yeah. And sometimes I don't want to believe that. Sometimes I just want to be like, just do it like this, you know? It will work. Right, you know, right. The interesting about that is that I think I probably have maybe, maybe once um, in my entire life had that question posed to me. Word. How'd it feel? And How'd it feel when they asked you, when somebody asked you that? You know what's interesting, and I think that probably there, there. I think this might be somehow a part of how Black women internalize harm and hurt, mm -hmm. and kind of what you refer to when you talk about Lalo, when mm -hmm. Black women will always be okay no matter what you do to them. Right. Is that I gave the response of being like, "Well, you know what you did. You should know how to fix it." Right. And right. that's really a way of evading. Mm. saying what I want because I don't know how to ask or how to demand for what I need and so as much as there is this process of restoration and healing of for or trying to restore other people's relationships I wonder how much of that has to start with healing yep. yourself and figuring out what it is that you want, what it is that you need, why you were hurt when this person did X to you, because the idea is that black women will always be okay, you know? Yeah. And yep. if, if we're told all the time that black women are always supposed to be okay, then it doesn't, you know, we, we always think we don't need closure. We don't need this. We just have to figure it out on our own and figuring it out on our own really just equates to forgetting it sometimes. And Ooh. Not dealing with Ooh. it at all. That's you know that's so real. Like if anybody ever did ask me, I would do the same. I would be like, "You didn't ask me, you know, when you were fucking me up. Like how about yeah. your fucking ass?" I, I I would do the same shit. I'd be like, "You figure that shit out on yourself." And I feel good about that. And until I read up on someone like you, it was like, 
but don't you just feel like you just hurt yourself even more? Like, like yeah. what are you, you know? Yeah, I never even thought about it that way, but that that's exactly what, I, I mean, I feel like I, I do that to institutions, but institutions are never like, how can we <laughs> make shit better? I mean, they do say that, right? I, I, actually, like presidents of schools and shit, they're like, like, what can we do? And I'm like, motherfucker, you know what you can do. You know, that, that's always that's always my response. Because what they can do it is has a caveat. Like there are parameters about what they can logistically do. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, because they're an institution and they answer to people and they respond to people and they have their own yep. parameters and and but on a personal, on an interpersonal level, you could really ask for anything that you want. And yep. it doesn't mean that the person will give it to you, but it right. is us it does provide which i think is why i'm such a big advocate of restorative justice in general because it gives you the space to to ask for whatever it is that you think you need but what yeah. how do you know what you need right right when 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 so and especially if we're talking about black women when so little in culture has ever foregrounded your needs yeah. right like so so sometimes that question of like how can i repair what do you need I get how that can be like a, 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 a t I mean, I didn't get to right now, actually, how that could be like such a terrifying question, you know? Well, first, cause you're, you're like, I'm gonna be like, I don't, I, if it was me, I'm be like, I don't really even think you really care. You know, like it's all these things that like, do you care what I really need? Do you really care? Um, but yeah, if you look at it the way you're thinking, which is the way we should look at it, it's an opportunity for you to tell yourself actually what you might need. Um, not just from this person, but 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 generally, um, man, yeah, that's interesting right there. Yeah, because any bits of research that I do, I mean, I try. I always say to people that I'm not an academic because academics are like shrouded in right. theory and this and right. everything that is not real and practical. Yes. And so at any given point, regardless of what research I'm doing, the people that I'm going to talk to first are the people that go through. Have been through whatever it is that we're talking about whether it's abortion or whether it's right. children who have been orphaned or whatever yes um but i don't i don't know that i do that for myself and i don't know that many black women do that for themselves on a day-to-day -day basis i mean how would you even yeah if you were like where would it start yeah because even when we read even when i read bell hooks or even when i read you know zora neil hurston or Audre Lord, I read all those things and it resonates with me, but I don't know that it gives me the capacity. I, I guess it should give me the, I guess it's the difference between reading something and enacting it. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it's like, I don't know how to enact what I've learned sometimes, right. you know, because right. it is such an individual thing and it does change yeah. from situation to situation. Yes. I don't know. Yes. That's that's it. And, it. and it really just makes me think, cause I'm still, you know, technically still working academia. Like, like what is the utility of the way, it's almost like the way the words and shit and the, and the, and the theory quote unquote is constructed. It's almost made to fucking make you not whole. Do you know what I mean? Like to, to make you be fractured and, and not ask the questions of yourself actually that, that we know we need, or we, we might know need to be asked. Anyway, yeah, you blew my mind with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, want, so I mentioned Lilo, and actually, this is a this is probably an unfair question to ask you because it's like okay. picking the the one black kid in the class of a white of a room full of white people and asking them. That's okay. 
but you know you say in the book that you know black boys teach black boys that black girls will be okay no matter what happens to them right and when i read that i was like damn i i get that that's you know it's a learned behavior and in many ways you're it's a subconscious learning of behavior like you don't even recognize sometimes that you pick up these kind of toxic behaviors or um and not that necessarily you've enacted them but just that that's something that happens culturally right and my question was always like but why does that make it okay like i think when i think right. about black women i'm talking you know i was just talking to my girlfriend jeline today who also has when when i was reading the book she was reading the book at the same time and we were going back and forth about our thoughts on the book and mm -hmm. this morning she she and i were talking and i was just like even if you know that i'll be okay and black women are kind of taught that they have to be okay because they carry such a, a heavy burden just societally but in their own homes um without any room for applause or gratitude or anything and we kind of go with that as it is why does that why does that where does that urge to enact that kind of behavior on women even come from yeah i mean I, my belief is that urge you see i'm about i was about to start relying on on the on the on the uh, terminology and stuff but i, I mean i i don't want to no because i think that's what we shouldn't do like i i think that the world i think that that the, the, the nation at least but i think the world sort of relies on this idea that like of, i want to i want to center black women and i write this in heavy that the that, that black women will recover and the nation and the world don't give a fuck if black women recover yeah right so it, it's both things right like this belief that black women can withstand everything but we don't even have to give a fuck if they withstand anything and so i think that comes from public policy i think that comes from fucking like 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 the philosophy that i read that predates fucking all of this fucking shit being written you know like it's hard to find an ancient text that is not like sort of like dripping with this understanding that women should be fucking like should suffer and and should be there for men's pleasure um but i think the shit is wrong too like i mean i, I mean i think i think it's completely wrong and, I, and, the, and the illest thing is that, like, I think a lot of my friends who I grew up with, you know, 16, 15, 17, I think that if you would have asked them what they think about the way we treat Black women then, I think they would have sounded more evolved in their thinking at 15, 16, and 17 than most of the men mm -hmm. I know are at 46, 47, and 48. Yeah. That, to me, is what that, like, so that shit is what, is what, is what is fucking up the earth. You know, like motherfuckers can't learn nothing about how to treat themselves and particularly like what black women experience, what what, what we do to make black, black women suffer. And, and instead of like being coming in like, like understanding, educated, like careful, thoughtful, I think we, we, we become the opposite, which is fucked up because we don't even start from a, from a great place in anyway. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It ain't like like 16 year olds are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's why I start that book where I start. I'm like, you know, I, I, I've, I've taught in college campuses. I know all the things about bystander intervention. I've talked about it. But you know what? When I was fucking 11, I was a bystander. Like I, one of my friends was fucking like, like I, 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 I'm going to put this word on it now, even though that's not the word I use. And, you know, she is being is being sexually assaulted and raped. Yeah. And I'm outside of that fucking door. And I know it's wrong, fam. I don't know the words. I don't know this, that, and the third. But I know that shit is wrong. And I don't help her. 
when I when she gets out, she's like, can you come out there? This shit is embarrassing. I'll run away. Like, that's at 12, fam. Like, yeah. that's what that, and that's, and then I'm taught that I was the good one because I wasn't in the room. Participate, yeah. But I, but I did participate. And I'm just trying, I, so on that book, I'm trying to do what you're saying, which is not, not hide behind the words, but actually talk about the shit. It takes a, it takes a country and a culture and a nation to perpetually assault people. And, 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 and most of the people who are doing the assaulting are people who are not actually in those rooms. You know what I'm saying? Like we encourage yeah. this shit every fucking way we move, talk, run away. And I just don't want to be that person who's like, yeah, but I ain't going in that room, no. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't me in that room, you know? Like it's yeah. a reflection so. of being accountable. Yes. Say, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. God, that's crazy. I know you know it's funny when I know that you're saying it. I didn't when I was reading that bit, I didn't even think about your role in it. I was more thinking about her and how she right. was feeling and her emotions in the in the context. So I don't and so it didn't even, and I think that's something that we do with black women as well. We talk about how they've been victimized, but we don't talk about who's victimizing them. You know, we say yeah. stop, violence against, stop violence against women. We don't say stop hurting women, you know? Exactly. And, yeah. And, 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 and what I'm saying, trying to do in that first chapter, I'm so glad we get to talk. It's so weird when you get to talk to people who you actually, you know, who, yeah, who, 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 who there, but like I'm saying, yo, this this woman wanted to swim. Real talk, wanted to float. Because as a young person, we just wanted to float, you yeah. know? And and these old motherfuckers, not old, but they're like 18. They're like, yo, you can come float, but you got to come up in here with us. And you know, when I go give reading, sometimes people are like, why do you think Layla would do that? And I, that's when I just want to fucking break out a goddamn something, you know? Really, my, my G? Like, are we really asking why this Black woman... You know, like, did she really have a fucking choice? What you think would have happened to her if she was like, nah, yeah. I ain't doing that shit, you know? And then what I'm trying to say is like, it's this, people always talk about the systemic, but the systemic and the familial like work hand in hand. Cause I, when I left there, I went with my mama. My mama starts talking all about like how black boys are endangered and shit. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I just heard my friend get raped. And I'm like, yeah. she's talking about black boys. And it's true, blah, 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 black boys. I never hear nobody talk about black girls being endangered. I never yeah. heard nobody talk about, you know, you know, it's hard out here for black women, hard out here for black girls. You got to never my entire life. And I was raised by black women. Yeah. Yeah. And when black women do say it, there's always an interjection about, well, it's not our fault or exactly. well, black men are always are also. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And the two, <laughs> the two are intertwined, you know what yes. I mean? I, th yes. They're not, mutually exclusive by any stretch of the imagination but they all need to have the, they all they all this they both deserve their own space absolutely to, to be explored but again i think black women are so it's so incumbent upon black women to to fix everything that you you know you get lost by the wayside almost right right I think by that's ourselves true. and by other people you I know think that's true i think that's um, true one of the things that you said earlier actually was that you this was kind of your way of writing to your mom yeah. and you also say in the book that there's a distinction between writing and maybe i'm phrasing it wrong but writing to us and writing for us or yeah what is for you when you were writing or when you write generally 
yeah. what, what's the difference? Because so much, I think the reason I'm asking this question is another thing that I think about is how much of our existence is, um, is hinged upon whiteness sometimes. Yes, That's indeed. always a juxtaposition. Absolutely. And even down to the language that you chose to use and it being very like culturally grounded or regionally right. grounded is something that people are afraid to do. You know, I was right. reading The Last Barracoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about how the fact that she had it had to wait so long because the publishers wanted her to write it in standard English and she refused right. to. No. Yeah. And you choose to to embrace the language of your of your right. upbringing. And I don't know, I don't know if that's the distinction or but I mean yeah. I think that I think that is part of the distinction. You know, like my mother, if my, what my mother wants from me is she never wants me to write to her or to us. She wants me to always write for us though. And for her, the distinction is I want, you know, when you're telling these white people um about how their investments in anti-blackness and all this shit are destroying them, like you're doing that for us, KSA, like, and that's fine. And she wants me to do that with a suit. And she wants me to do that with as many multisyllabic words as possible. And she wants me to come home and we can all talk about how KSA fought the white man, right? Like that is for, that's for her. And, you know, we all know what the, how, how it feels to see a black person telling white people the truth and all that shit. Like you get excited, you're like, oh, but sometimes the thing about white folks is like, if you steady talking to white folks, you end up lying. You know what I mean? Like lying to yourselves even like, because I just am not interested in talking to these people about them anymore. Like it, it, I, I just, and, and not even because it's boring, but because there's so much work to be done with ourselves. Yeah. So I want to talk to us or I want to talk to them with the, you know, like I really want to, yeah, I want to talk to us and I want to talk to us and, and the multi like, you know, polyphonic ways that we fucking communicate. Like, you know, we can go high register, low register. We can get really specific. We can get really broad. And my mama understands, my mama's like, that's dangerous work. And I'm like, mama, why that dangerous? She's like, shit, because I just want to read you going on, you know, like presenting an argument about why Black people have been treated poorly. And I'm like, yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> I don't want you to talk about like, you know, the ways that 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 abuse is like twine, intertwined in everything we do and all of that. So to me, it's like, I want to write to and for us. And I just think it's easier to write for us. Yeah, yeah. Economically too, economically, it is, that's a lot easier too because white people love to pay black people to tell them how they're wrong. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and tell them how to fix it or how to appear. Exactly, to make exactly. It, you know? Yeah, yeah. There is, um, I think I got it from a Baldwin class and I never formally took a Baldwin class. I just sat in on a few of the classes. Oh, I thought classes. you were in that class. No, I wasn't. I never got That's credit for so it. so funny. I would have, if somebody, I would have, yo, this whole the time. Class was full. Oh, so, so I just sat in it and you were, you said to people, just come if you want to come. That's right. That's right. So that's I just right. came. But one of the things that you talked about, and I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember the quote, you might remember it, but just when he's talking about America is that you have, you love something because you critique something right. because you love it, right? right. And for me, right. I think that's why so much of my work focuses on Jamaica, so much of my work, I yeah. mean, Black Women, I say it on the podcast all the time, 
I don't say I don't give a fuck about white people, but I don't really give a fuck about white people. <laughs> you know? Like, like my focus is black men and black women in yes. whatever and however they choose to identify moving after right. them. Like, because I do think that there, as you said, there is so much work to be done. And so many people get offended when you, it, it feels like, um, it feels like, why are we fighting amongst ourselves when there's this mm. whole outside world that's fighting us? And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm not fighting you. Right. I want <laughs> right. to be the best that we can be so that whatever comes in front of us can be faced in a unified kind of way, if possible. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You know, like, I mean, yeah, Ball, I mean, Baldwin's whole Baldwin, Baldwin was infatuated with 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 the idea of, of the nation, which 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 led him to like consistently talk to white people about white people. And I get it. And, and for me, it's just like I just don't feel like I want to do what that dude did. Like I I I get why why that dude did that. You know what I mean? I get why a lot of these people who we who made a way for us did it. But like how we look doing the same work. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And, 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 you know, and that's, and that's, and that's the thing, like, you know, my generation, we grew up watching like, you know, Cornell and Dyson. And again, it's like, they gave us some really important vocabulary and they connected some historical dots for us that had never been connected before. But what they didn't do was talk honestly about their actual relationship to that theory that they were purporting. Like they never talked about their relationship to queer antagonism, their relationship to empire, their relationship to like, you know, rabbit capitalism. Like, you know, when Cornell was talking about the 1%, I was right there with him. And Cornell never talked about his relationship publicly, his relationship to actual like wealth, desire and capital. So there's not a diss of those folks. It's just like, they might've done as much as they could do. And when we gone, hopefully somebody will be like, Leanna Kearsay did as much as they could do, but we gonna do it differently. You know what I'm trying to say? It goes back to what you said at the beginning. Like when I first started teaching, I realized early, like you could be that teacher who encourages people to be you, but that's, that's bogus ass pedagogy, right? you like, you want, you should want motherfuckers to like go a below or beyond or whatever, but like, don't just fucking teach people to be you. Like, especially if you ain't shit, like, that, don't, that doesn't make much sense. And you're actively you know? saying that you ain't shit as, as well. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, I want to ask you two questions that you mom, well, one of which your mom actually asked you, and this is gonna be my last question because I know where like people have shit to do um but (laughs) you say something about it's i'm this is like my own this podcast i swear episode is for me because so many questions that i'm asking you are questions that i have for myself it's weird but um and dragging myself in some ways but (laughs) you talk about the difference between loving someone and loving how someone makes you feel And I did an episode a few, a few episodes ago where I, I had a conversation with my ex about our relationship and where it went wrong and, you know, where it could have gone better. And it made me realize upon reflection of that conversation that, you know, my inability to hold myself accountable within the context of relationships sometimes mm-hmm. or a lot of the times is because I spend so much time perfecting how I love Mm. so that there's no reason for me to not receive the love that makes me feel a certain way. 
Right. So my love is not necessarily unconditional or or as pure as I'd like to give it the appearance of being. But right. really, um, it's it's it, I think it's probably rooted in loving how people make me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and, yeah, I just kind of wanted to know where it where that came from for you. Right. I think. I think that was like my my attempt at kind of trying to tease out like just justice from desire. Do you know? And and the thing about desire is like we all have desire, and sometimes we desire things that are like really bad for us, mm-hmm. right? Um, like I wanna like as soon as I get off of this shit, like I wish there was a bur- I wish it was my birthday because I was I want to go eat up all the birthday cake. Like I love birthday cake. So if a motherfucker bring me a birthday cake and they're like, "Hese, this is so," I, I never, I never thought about this shit before. But if somebody gave me a birthday cake when I get on the bubble, and somebody like, "Yo, Kies, and it said, "Kese, you are one of the greatest writers of my life. I'm going to be more. I'm going to, I'm going to, in my head, say I love that person. You know what I'm saying? Like in my, in my heart, I don't give a fuck. This is just me. I ain't talking about nobody else. I'm a, why? Because they gave me cake. They fed my artistic ego." they cared enough to know also that I like, I don't like to make a spectacle of myself, but if you give me my own personal birthday cake with some shit like that, like, but you know what? That motherfucking person could be terrible. And what they're really doing though, it is so, so sweet is they're giving someone who is like on the cusp of diabetes, like a step into diabetes. But you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I love that. I love that shit, but I would, I would love that person having not known anything about them. And I'm just right. trying to say my life, I think sometimes we get into relationships with people who we actually don't know, but we know what they do to make us feel good, which I think sometimes is wonderful, but sometimes I just think that shit has to be kind of thought about a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like some people in my life have made me feel good and I haven't done enough to think about who they were. And all I thought about, like our relationship was ironically like my relationship to that thing that made me feel good. And I, I made that the thing that made me feel good into like a person. But then when the person is like, uh, you remember what I was telling you about uh, my father? And I'm like, nah, <laughs> you got a father? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, nah, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know nothing. I know you bring me birthday cakes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you make me yeah. feel good. But I'm not trying to police pleasure at all. I'm just saying in my life, I can tend to like fall deeply into people who make me feel highly pleasurable, but never think about the context of and 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 the insides of of that person you know what I mean that's interesting because you strike me as someone who their convictions are deeply embedded in who they are you know the whole in your interaction it's it's interesting that you can put that ahead of and I think we all do it because as you said you love how people make you feel but then as I guess as time goes on and you get to know people whether actively or passively sometimes their their convictions diametrically oppose yours and yeah. then and then you're fucked because you're like oh this person makes me feel great but they're really addicted i didn't know yeah yeah i mean yeah it's real complicated i shouldn't have used that metaphor but like like that example because because i'm also someone who's like i'm gonna do everything possible to not like if i see somebody coming down the hall with a birthday cake it might be for me i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> duck into the you know what i mean i'm like i'm also gonna duck into the room 
because I don't, you know what I mean? So, so, so I'm saying, I'm saying things that are contradictory, but it's, it's actually how I feel. I'm very convicted, but I'm also like, I'm very avoidant of pleasure generally because partially because you were like, you know, you're an addict, you know, you, you know, you, you didn't say you're an addict, I'm sorry, but you know, you have addictive tendency. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, and I, and, and I know that like, when people are really nice to me, especially around food, like I just, I just kind of break down. Like I'm very, I just fall in love with, with those people easily because of all kind of shit in my yeah. past. But I don't know. You, you, it's too, that question too hard, fam. I can't, <laughs> I can't do nothing more with that one. That it's, it's cause you're making me look at myself in ways that I, I ain't ready to look at. No, yet, so. I think, I think we, I think people do it in general though. I do it. Like I, um have dated people or been friends with people that morally some of the things right. they do i recognize as fucked up right but um and even more recently completely ingratiated myself with someone as friends who i know was doing who i knew was doing something wrong and yes. something that was hurting other black women not saying wow. that it was abuse but i knew that yeah. black women were being hurt as a result of their actions and I couldn't, and I made up all the excuses in the world as to why I wasn't acting on it, like actively moving as opposed to just being avoidant of the situation mm -hmm. and letting it figure mm -hmm. itself out. You know what I mean? But part of that was because we had formed this friendship that was rooted in them making me feel good about myself as a black right. woman. Right. <laughs> you know? so and I you should feel good about yourself, right? As I mean, you should feel good about yourself as a black woman yeah but i guess the the work for me then is that shouldn't be predicated on how other people treat me whether right. that's other uh, other black women or black men or white people it should yeah. just be because i'm comfortable with where i am and what i'm doing and if i can't be comfortable or at peace with everything that I'm doing in my life, then that's cause for concern. And it shouldn't Absolutely. be, it shouldn't be uh, put to one side because someone else is making me feel good. I know? do. And you, can I just tell you, I feel like, I feel like, yo, this is why they don't let us talk to each other. Like as, as, as black folks who, who kind of like, you know, whatever. But when I was at Vassar, like when I started thinking about that idea, I was in my office and I was with a student, an incredible uh, student who was, you know, super, super um, worked, worked really hard, but also was working on, on like thinking about like, you know, where practice and theory met. And this, this, the student was in my office and, you know, the student had told me, kids say, oh, you know, I, I met this student's parents. So, so uh, kids say, um, I love so much about what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. So this student would always express to me how much they love like me as a teacher. And I was in there, it was early on in my, you you were actually at the school. I have no dental insurance. You know, when you first get them jobs at Bassett, you ain't making no fucking money. I had no dental insurance. I'm talking, I mean, this person's talking and all of a sudden I'm like, what the fuck is that? And my fucking tooth comes out, right? Like my, a tooth in the back pops and I'm just, and this person is still talking, still talking. And you know, I'm like, yeah, I feel you. And then I look and I'm like, oh my God, that's my fucking tooth. This person is still talking, fam. I'm, I, and, and I'm so whatever at that point as a professor, I didn't want to interrupt them. I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. And, like I wasn't listening, but I'm also trying to be like, do you see this motherfucking tooth <laughs> thing? You know, 
this motherfucker didn't didn't see it or didn't care to see it, but left the office thinking, thank you so much. I just love what you're doing. I just love so much of what you're doing. So this person was trying to show me, tell me they love me, Without, which I'm sure yeah. they did on their terms. And I'm sitting here with a fucking nerve exposed with a with a fucked up tooth in my mouth that I don't know how I'm gonna pay for. And I'm not trying to be like, woe is me, because I've been that student too. Because of that student, like I'm there to serve a purpose, which is to listen and help them. You know, and I'm just saying sometimes those people who, who who do serve that purpose are actually people. And I just think we might we might do ourselves like justice to think about think about think about what it means to love outside of just like getting shit from people. Yeah. Loving you know? people on their own terms rather than our yeah. own. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't think I think that's hard though, you know. It's very hard. Yeah. Oh, it's a fine line. Okay. Um yeah, so your mom asks you this question in, in the book, or you you relay a story where, and I'm going to ask you the same question is, okay. um, are you gentle with your body? And how are you gentle with your body now, knowing everything that you've known and reflected upon everything that you've reflected upon throughout, not just writing heavy, but also writing everything else you've written. So not just on an interpersonal level, but, you know, yeah when you um, the work that you're doing oh my goodness that question feels like a big question um i'm definitely gentler i'm gentler with my body than when i started writing that book um it's tough like when you when you you know like when i came to vassar nobody i mean you don't know any it's like when you come to vassar as a, as a, as a teacher just like you come as a student like for the most part, nobody knew me. So nobody even knew that I was like a big, a, like a big person. You know what I mean? Like when I come there, like I'm, I mean, I was, you know, I was running all the time, working out all the time and, and people like, that's, that's how people saw me. So then I started to like buy into that shit. Like that's who I am. Like, I'm not this person who's been like really big their whole life. I'm this really, you know, kind of in shape person. And I think sometimes the, like the, the the antithesis of being gentle is beating yourself up for not being a version of yourself you should have never been. Like I should have never been as small as I was at Vast. I should not have. I shouldn't. I was obsessed with working out, obsessed with fucking like starving myself. And 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 that's why I looked the way I did. And when I'm not gentle with myself, I'm comparing every part of my body to that without thinking about the ways that I got to that by being unhealthy. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm gentler with my body today because I'm not using that as the standard. Right. But it's tough when the world sees that as the standard or a standard. And I, th I think for men, I think for cis men, especially like, you know, the standard is, there are lots of different standards. It's not as rigid as it is for other groups of people. But at my worst, I'm always comparing myself. Like I'm always, even my friends are always like, motherfucker, like if you don't get in shape, get in shape, but don't always be like, man, I'm trying to get back my pack. You know, like my whole, my whole weight shit is always about getting back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna get back to when I had them veins and, <laughs> and you know, like, I can't wait till I can get back to I can run this, that. And, 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 you know, people who love me be like, motherfucker, stop talking about getting back to some shit. Cause that's not loving of yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're gonna get back to a version of you that you got to by, by literally starving and running your goddamn body. Like the reason, one of the reasons that you aren't mobile as you are wanna be, I'm talking to myself, Mm -hmm. is because I did the work to maintain that body. Right. So like, 
what are you saying when you're like, man, I can't wait to get back to that old fucked up ass shit? Like, no, you're like, I can't wait. Really, what that's about is like, I can't wait to get back to that because people looked at me like I was like I was fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. When motherfuckers think you're beautiful when you're doing the opposite of beautiful shit to your body. Yeah. That's 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 life though. I think that's life for people. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because you spend so much of the book and so much of even in this conversation, like, and obviously something you do on a day-to-day basis, kind of critiquing yourself for lack of a better way of putting it and like questioning your yourself on a regular basis and um I was gonna skip this question but I feel like now I want you to answer it um it's it's my last question but it's for me I think when when especially when women come on and we ask them this question because this is a question we ask everybody is it gives them an opportunity to love on themselves and I feel like everybody needs that in life yeah, I agree. Um, so my question is, what do you think makes you a dope black man? Oh, so I'm supposed to I'm supposed to talk my shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> um oh see, I want to add all, I wanna add all kind of like um I wanna be like, well, if I am a dope black man, um, no, you are. We've established okay, so, that. So knowing okay, so, that you are, what do you think is the is the core of that? Man, why the fuck is that such a hard? It's so hard to like. Why is that such an embarrassing question? <laughs> I'm like trying to hide my shit, you know what I'm saying? Because oh. it feels cheesy to gas yourself, but like sometimes you have to gas yourself. I mean, all right, I'm gonna just sit in it for like ten seconds. I'm a good. I I'm 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 a writer that the world got to deal with, like and. And I made myself into that. And I was, and I accepted the people who made my mama, my grandmama, my, my region, the motherfuckers who wrote before me. I think, I think, I think black writers who came before me would look at me and be like, he I. And as an artist, sometimes that's all you can ask for yourself. So that's that's as much as I can, that's as much as I can say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe uh, from wherever you get your podcasts from on Twitter and Facebook. We're Dope Black Women, but on Instagram, we are Dope Black Women One. We will be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically Black. All the way Black. Blackity Black. Black Tastic. All right.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.